0: Welcome to chapter 5 of The Jesus Adventure, a study in the spirituality training system of Jesus of Nazareth. In this chapter, we are discovering the voyage charts of providence, the key to finding our way and getting to the prizes, the awards, and ultimate treasures on the adventure. As always, we want to start by honoring and inviting God to teach us with a prayer. Please join us. Our Father in heaven, you are clothed in beautiful light and all of your works are amazing. Please give us the ears to hear and enable us to receive and understand your wisdom with hearts that receive Jesus and all that he has prepared for us on this adventure. Amen. Now, as we begin, again, chapter five of the Jesus adventure, we're talking about the voyage charts of providence. And what we're going to discover here is that we are not only on a journey, but that God has given us everything necessary to succeed on the journey with him leading us along the way. Now, every quest for treasure requires a treasure map that charts the way to know where you're going and how to get there, and most importantly, indicating what you will find. The key for us as adventurers on this quest is to learn the whole message and learn the symbols and markings. These are clues that keep us on the right Trail that help us to find our way on the journey. And as with all of life, there are dangers and snares, traps that is, on this journey that are set there by your enemy to keep you from completing. And the only way to avoid the hidden dangers on this journey is to study the charts, to know where the dangers are and how to travel around them or to overcome them when we come upon them. The dangers are not gonna go away, but you already knew that. So the answer is to learn from Jesus how to avoid and overcome these traps. So Jesus has mapped everything we need for our journey. And he did this with great foresight that shows us how to avoid the perils, how to find the right passages to obtain the provisions and win the prizes of the many treasures in a truly spiritual life. And it comes as a surprise to us that we are actually called to be buccaneers, pirates of a sort that plunder the kingdom of darkness and capture loot from the enemy of God. Yes, we are empowered to overcome the enemy, setting free the other captives, and ending the tyranny of the Prince of Darkness as we go. Doing that correctly requires knowing the way by the charts of providence. And what are those charts? We call that the Word of God or, more importantly, the Holy Bible. Especially the teachings of Jesus and his chosen apprentices, whom we call his emissaries, which in the original Greek language were called apostles. Now, mostly in the church, people are going to call them apostles, but we call them his emissaries because it's a more... Common language form to say emissary or ambassador would be another way to look at it, but these are his special chosen ambassadors, his special chosen emissaries. It's just a different word, different language, meaning the same thing, but we call them emissaries frequently throughout this study so that you'll understand that. Now, the Bible is a library, a sacred collection of 66 books that God has provided to us through 40 select people whom he specially chose to give us these providential truths of guidance. Our captain on the journey, of course, is Jesus, who knows everything we need and everything we will experience along the way. So it's vital that we learn to listen to what he tells us. But he's going to speak to us through these writings, through this word that has been given to us by his select emissaries, because he's already anticipated what we would need. In fact, there are things you may need right now that he has already given to you to find. Perhaps we'll find some of those things that you need today as we explore this chapter. Our starting point for this chapter, for this section of the teaching, is Mark chapter 4, verse 9, in which Jesus says, If you have ears, pay attention. In some versions it says, If you have ears to hear, then hear. In other words, Jesus wants you to think about the fact that, if you have ears, and most of us do, we should be listening to what he is telling us and actually paying attention to it. Not just hearing it, but listening carefully to what he says. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2, it tells us that God has emphatically made a promise to us, and it says this: "But on this one I will look, the one who is humble and of a contrite spirit, who trembles at My word." Now that's of the uh, the Tree of Life version, and what we want to understand is is that God is asking us to hear His call, and have taking this very seriously. You see, God is paying attention to those who pay attention to him. He is taking seriously those who take his word seriously. So the promise isn't just that God is watching, but he is actually watching out. He is going to seriously watch out for those who pay attention and take his word seriously, carefully, and who, in a sense, are trembling before him because we realize how important this is. So in Luke chapter 4, in the Gospels, uh, verse four, it tells us, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Now, this is when Jesus was being tempted that he is speaking out and in, in correcting Satan's lies. You have to understand, Satan is lying all the time trying to deceive us, trying to get people away from God. And Jesus is telling us, how do we solve that problem? Well, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. This is the foundation of his program. Jesus starts from the beginning of his training program to demonstrate how to correctly travel this journey. And this is what we're all about because the word of God provides strength and power for us. It's about learning to treat God's word like our most basic daily need of food to sustain us, to strengthen us, to provide that energy needed to take and complete the journey. In fact, Jesus ties this thinking together with his own teachings, telling us that he is the bread from heaven that he is like the manna that the Israelites ate in the desert when they followed Moses at the beginning the manna was given daily this bread from heaven was given daily to the people and day old manna was actually rotten you couldn't save it and eat it for the second day you had to go get fresh manna every single day that god was providing and the picture is he's giving us is that we can't rely on yesterday's word to sustain us we need to receive his word like a fresh and hot daily loaf of bread The Word is always fresh, but we need it daily, sort of like taking a shower or a bath. Yesterday's bath does not make you fresh and clean today. The bread you ate yesterday is not enough for today's hunger. Now, what God wants us to know is that He is not silent. That's right. He is speaking to us daily. He's giving us revelation, His revelation to us in a fresh and personal way every day from His Word each time we open it. And if we're willing to receive it, we become spiritually nourished, fed in the inner man, and built up and energized for the challenges of life by God's Spirit. It also directs us in the right paths. If we fail to heed his teaching, we can easily become misled, easily tempted, and easily wrecked. So the psalm says that his word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And this reminds me of a personal experience I had when I was a young man. Um, I was out with some friends, we uh, went on a long journey into some wilderness mountains far from our home. We drove for many hours and we parked up on this high, di- you know, distant mountain road. We got ready for our hike. We had all of our gear, heavy backpacks, and everything, and we were ready to go. We had maps, we had compasses, we had everything we needed to get to where we were headed. But we were new at navigating. So just to be sure, With our our map and compass, we compared our journey, we compared the plan very carefully. We planned this long hike that was going up to a very high alpine lake at the base of a glacial mountain peak, and it's deep in this wilderness area. The destination is known to have pristinely beautiful views far from civilization, and we were really excited to take this hike to this high and desolate and beautiful place. It was intended to be an entire week-long journey up into this very very remote area and we planned everything very carefully but we made one crucial mistake we were not paying attention and missed the plane markers at the trailhead at the beginning so we didn't actually start on the correct trail so we would made all these preparations and we traveled this long way but we failed at the crucial point to begin the hike from the right trail it was a simple mistake but it cost us a lot we wasted hours in exhausting heat at high altitude, wandering on this deer trail through obstacles taking us in the wrong direction. We had to stop and reconsider what we had done wrong. Only once we realized and admitted that we had made a mistake could we solve the problem. And this is a very important message. You have to be able and willing to recognize when you make a mistake and navigate to solve the problem. Only then could we actually navigate correctly across from that desolate place to find the correct trail. And by the time we did find the correct trail, we had already exhausted ourselves and ruined some of our provisions. So we lost a lot of the energy needed to complete the correct journey. We did get on the journey, finally. We did correctly get to the, the path to go where we wanted to. But unfortunately, because we wasted so much energy, we never saw that beautiful glacial lake. And instead, we spent the entire trip in lower places, far from our goal. See, we missed the beauty of the destination due to a foolish mistake at the beginning. Now, it was still a great trip, but we lost out on everything that we'd intended to see by missing the clear markers on the beginning of the trail. Now, likewise, on the Jesus Adventure, we have these adventure charts. Again, it's called the New Testament, and it's called the Bible. And we have these tools to show us on the journey planned. It's a map with clear and plain markings, which we need to use from the beginning. And these tools are found, again, in both the Old and the New Testament of the Bible. And these together are a single resource that we call the the Word of God, the Holy Bible. And it's important we understand, because if we ignore the whole counsel of God, many people will miss the trail that Jesus has already planned. They ignore the map and miss the markings that he's given us. We don't want to do that. We want to be careful at the beginning of this journey to start right. So how do we get it right? Getting it right on the trail at the beginning of the Jesus adventure is not actually hard. It's just about reading the charts and staying on the right trail that allows us to recognize, again, that the main things are the plain things, and the plain things are the main things. You know, when Jesus tells us something and the message is clear, we want to pay attention to that and not let somebody sidetrack us or derail us from the clear plain messages that he's giving. We don't seek obscure messages and we don't seek to dig into esoteric ideas. We want to look at the clear and plain focus and learn to do what he said. Now we do dig deeper and we learn how to learn guiding principles and find things that help us to understand the the books more clearly. But the bottom line is, is the plain things are the main things and the main things are the plain things. So, We're not looking for vague or divergent ideas that could get us off that trail. And those who do, this is important to understand, those who do look for obscure, odd ideas or who don't listen to the plain and main things, they always get lost and start depending on the teachings of men. They start depending on human wisdom instead of God's wisdom. And that's where the mistake falls for most people on this journey. On many treasure maps, There are hidden encryptions that reinforce the plain and clear point, and in the same way, the Bible has those. So when we dig deeper, we're always going to find things that clarify the guiding principles to make the essential things more clear for us. But if we start relying on men, we know we're on the wrong track. We rely on the Word of God, not the wisdom of humans, okay? So Jesus made this easy for a traveler with a humble heart to find the truth because he made things very clear and very plain. The prideful heart will always start imposing their ideas and trying to twist or turn what they think the Bible should say, as opposed to what it clearly does say. They try to impose the teachings of men and human wisdom into discussion, and that always leads people off the trail into dangerous places. Now, if we think of it like a ship navigating along rocky coasts and hidden reefs, we want to follow the path that Jesus gives. These are the, the markings and the maps and the teachings of Jesus and his apprentices will keep you from crashing on the rocks. If you pay attention to them and trusting again in the Bible, the word of God, it will keep you from becoming shipwrecked. And I, I can't tell you, I've seen so many people along the way become shipwrecked in their faith because they got focused on human wisdom as opposed to God's wisdom. Now, we want to look at some more quotes that Jesus gives here about the bread of life. It says in John chapter 6, verse 33, The bread that God gives is the one who came down from heaven to give life to the world. Let's listen to that again. The bread that God gives is the one, in other words, a person who came down from heaven to give life to the world. That's John six thirty-three. We want to understand that he is being very clear to us here that he's talking about a bread that is something different than, than actual ordinary literal bread. He's being figurative here, and that's important to understand that the figurative part is illustrating the true and, and literal part, okay? So Jesus goes on in verse 35 of chapter 6 in, in the Gospel of John to make this more clear. He says, I am the bread that gives life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry. No one who has faith in me will ever be thirsty. So when we see things that are causing people to become thirsty in the religious world, we know they've gotten off track. They're not trusting Jesus. They're not listening to his word anymore. They've, they've let other things creep in, and we want to be wary of that. So it's about using these clear markings to be successful spiritual listeners. In order to do that, we have to understand the messages that were given to the people of God from the beginning. Because Jesus came and taught in a context, in a specific context, to the people that were the people of Israel that God had led through the desert, you know, generations before, uh, following with Moses, giving them bread from heaven, which was called manna. So God wasn't just feeding people in those days to meet their bodily needs in the desert, but He was also providing a model for how he leads us through the challenges of this life. And this is something we want to really recognize is that God does a lot of these modeling and paradigm things for us to understand what his word means and how we're to apply it. And in this way, Jesus spoke for us to learn and understand how to be led by God by knowing how to be fed by God. Get that? We're being led by God by learning how to be fed by God. Now, in Jesus' times, People were chasing him to find out what he was going to do next because literally following Jesus was this amazing, you know, day after day uh, set of circumstances where there were a variety of different kinds of miracles that were happening and amazing events that were happening around him all the time. And so people began to follow him just to see what's going to happen because they're pretty excited about it, right? And at one point, an entire army of people, thousands of people have begun to follow him. And they're long ways from their villages, long ways from town. And it's late in the day and people are hungry. And so Jesus has seen that the people are hungry and have this need. He feeds thousands of people with bread and fish from a small boy's lunch basket. They had this miracle picnic, eating until their guts were entirely stuffed and Jesus let them know that what they actually needed was to seek out real food the real meat and bread but this is the point of why he did the miracle and as often happens most people weren't getting it they weren't listening and if we can think of daily listening and hearing of God's word you know studying Jesus and his emissaries who wrote the new testament carefully that we will have that daily warm bread So we will have a guiding sense of direction that keeps us from crashing. We will have God himself leading us. Now, today, this is possible to a degree like never before. And by the way, it's a time when we need it like never before. See, in most parts of the world today, we can get printed Bibles. We can get audio recorded Bibles. We can read the Bible on the Internet. The Bible is available to us in so many ways that people in previous generations did not have. And as a result, we have the ability to be fed by God to a degree that is much greater than people in the past. And I believe that's because God knew that in these times, we would be worn out by, you know, the, the satanic world, uh, you know, trying to draw us away from God constantly. So God made it possible that in these days, we would have his word available to us like never before. But that means we have to actually seek it out like never before we have to be more diligent we have to be more tireless to you know continually receive this feeding from god so that we can overcome all of these ungodly messages that the world is throwing at us all the time it's also important to realize that you know the bible is available to us because people of previous generations work tirelessly to make that possible people in this generation are working tirelessly to make that possible. And so it's important to recognize this is not something that just happens naturally or passively. People are giving of themselves and have for generations given of themselves to make the Bible, to make this Word of God available to us as partners with God to to make it so that we can receive that daily feeding that we need. Now, in looking at all of this, what God wants us to understand is that the Word of God is a life-giving spirit in itself. Now that sounds a little bit interesting, maybe hokey even. We've just talked about you know the Word of God being synonymous with Jesus himself and being synonymous with you know needing daily bread um, and Jesus gives us another insight here to how the Word of God works in John chapter six verse 63 He says the Spirit." is the one who gives life. Human strength can do nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are from that life-giving spirit. So he's saying that there's this life-giving spirit providing the word of God through Jesus to us in a way that will not just nourish us, but actually empower us and give us life and and empowerment as this life-giving spirit comes into us from his word. And these can seem mysterious thoughts at first, but Practicing the teachings of Jesus gives us a spiritual understanding beyond the limitations of our mortal minds. No one can navigate and stay on this journey without crashing and, in a sense, dying without that daily life-giving spirit from the power of God's Word. Now, you may not have the chance to read the Bible every single day. But reminding yourself of the things that you've already heard and letting God speak to you through that word sometimes is the most important thing you can do in that day. You know, there have been cases, instances of people throughout history, uh such as soldiers or, or airmen who get shot down and they're in prison and and they know they need to be strengthened by the word of God and they don't have a Bible. And what do they do? They, they quote it to themselves. They quote it to one another. They repeat it to, to uh, hear that word of God nourishing them as they go. This is another way to do that. Of course, if we have access to the Bible, we want to take hold of it as much as we can. And in that, we learn that it's the spirit of God, the deep soul-inspiring teacher whom Jesus sent that gives this unique life breath into our souls that sustains us and grows us and empowers us. Without this life-giving spirit, we begin to default to operating from our mortal minds without the wisdom of God. In other words, we begin to default into living in the old ways, the broken old ways that got us into trouble in the first place. Those ways which we have thought and lived before and learned to trust in, uh, they take us away from God. They keep us from learning to trust God and follow Jesus. So this can only result in disaster for the apprentice of Jesus. So the great news is that we don't have to make that mistake. We have him to lead us and guide us by his, by his word. And that word is available to people like never before. Whether it's in print, online, audio recordings, as I said, there's there's many ways available. And if you don't have a Bible, um, this ministry will find a way to get you a Bible. Uh, there are There are ways to to get access to these things. If you can listen to it online here we 'll show you where to find uh, access to the to the Bible online on the internet and you know we can help you find ministry partners that will get you a physical copy of the Word of God if that 's possible so in much of the world, people can easily afford these things of course, um, but for those that can 't, there are many different ministries, many different organizations that will help you in fact, most churches will give you a copy of the Bible if you just ask. And at this point, we we want to begin to learn to discover the power of things old and new. Jesus taught about this, and there's also scriptures from the Old Testament that teach us the same thing. And it begins with uh, Psalm 34. Uh, The English Standard Version says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So we realize that, Hey, the Bible's been talking about this idea of the word of God and and the, the power of God being like food. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In Psalm 119, verse 103, it says, in the English Standard Version, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Again, we see this imagery being presented to us of being fed and empowered by the word of God. Let's take a moment and we're gonna just back up. You may be struggling to accept this, especially if you've come from a very strict religious background where you were taught that you had to earn a place with God. And you may question... Does the Old Testament give us a precedent for this concept of Jesus and his teaching being spiritual food? Absolutely. This this is what it tells us throughout the word of God actually in many different ways. But again, here are these two verses we've just heard it very clearly and directly. And the Old Testament is really the basis. It's it's the authorization that Jesus comes in, the context he comes in to bring us the teachings he brings us. So he's not coming with something entirely new. He's coming with something that has brought newness to the existing word, and he's given us a new covenant that builds upon what's already been given to us. It's different, but it's based upon the context of the Old Testament. And you can see that God is telling us, in every way that he can, that his word is a spiritual food to nourish the deepest part of our being. So when Jesus tells us that his word is the bread from heaven, He's really just continuing this message, if you see, he's building upon what the Old Covenant has already given us. God feeds our inner man, our inner being, with his word of life. And as with things we've discovered in the chapters before, we can see that he's pleading with us, he's urging us to receive this life-giving spirit daily. He wants us to have his presence, his nourishment, his empowerment daily. Why? Because we need it. See, if it's important enough for God, who inhabits eternity, to reach down and tell us this, well, it must be really important for us to hear. So why these metaphors? You know, bread, food, maps, honey, why all these different metaphors? Well, the point is that the life-giving spirit of God's Word is so much more profound, so far beyond what our mortal minds can comprehend, that it takes many descriptions and many concepts to get the point across. This life-giving Spirit of God's Word is also more beautiful than can be seen with our five senses. Everything on the Jesus Adventure is something that we have to experience to begin to fully comprehend it. In fact, that's one of the great problems that happens with very religious people is they don't step out in faith to actually experience what God is teaching. They just learn about it. And that's the difference between what most religious movements will teach versus what we're teaching here. Because the really amazing part is we don't just learn about these things. We experience them at a spiritual level. And what an amazing thing when we do experience it. It's impossible to express unless you have really come to experience it exactly how beautifully God speaks to us, how amazing is that life-giving spirit when we hear him guide us through his word. It, it's so profound, there's no words to really express it. But let's listen to others that have said this before. Uh, in the book of Job, which is the oldest book in the Bible, everybody likes to point that out, Job is the oldest book in the Bible, Job said, I have treasured the words of his mouth more Than my portion of food, you see, Job didn't even have the whole Bible such as we do. But what words God had given him, he considered to be a treasure of greater value than food. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm a hungry guy. It's hard for me to see things that are much more valuable than food a lot of times, right? I'm that kind of guy that comes in from work at the end of the day and I'm hungry. I'm ready to eat. You know, maybe you are too. Maybe some of you are the kind of people that you know don't really eat food that much or whatever. But I'm a hungry guy. And for me to hear somebody say that the Word of God is a greater treasure than food, that gets my attention. And this is the mind of the person who has the wisdom of the life-giving spirit. We make a choice to accept and value the Word of God. And when we do, it energizes our deepest inner being, which also gives us the key to living right and living well. What we want to understand is, is that people accepted certain things from Jesus that transformed their lives. Now, on his final night before he went to the cross, Jesus prayed to the Father for his apprentices, saying, I gave them the words that you gave me, and they accepted them. Now, in the original language, that word accepted means to hold tightly, to cling and hold closely. And Jesus is saying to us that the right attitude is to receive his word and not let it go. That's what drove those early emissaries, those early apprentices. That's how they built what they built in their lives and accomplished the things they accomplished because they held so tightly to God's word. They did not let themselves become led astray by teachings and wisdom of men because the wisdom of men is not really wise. It isn't godly. It doesn't understand what God knows about everything that he knows about us and about our world. And so the original emissaries, the original apprentices held so tightly to his word that they were willing to die for it. And in fact, some of them had to die for it. But what Jesus is saying to us is that this is the right attitude, to receive his word and not let it go. Be forceful about receiving and keeping his word close to you. Don't let anyone cheat you out of it. Don't let anyone cause you to fail to receive and cherish God's word. That's the message Jesus is giving us here. Now, at a certain point in Jesus' ministry, he pivoted his teaching method. And it's something that kind of took his... Uh, apprentices by surprise. You see, he stopped speaking plainly to the public, and from that point forward, he only spoke in parables until the very end. He only uh, gave the insights of the parables to his apprentices, because they had already chosen to hold tightly to his teachings. They had already cherished what he said, so he continued to give them the insights that he did not give to those who rejected him or who failed to take hold of his teachings. Here we're learning the skill. Of spiritual listening and this is an important point because not everybody gets this and this is really where beginning to walk the adventure really takes hold is when we we grab a hold of and we don't let go of what Jesus is teaching us so Jesus gives us some meaningful stories to begin developing these vital listening skills these vital hearing uh and and you know, holding on to his word skills. Now, this first one is from Matthew chapter thirteen, and he says this. He says a farmer went out to scatter seed in a field. While the farmer was scattering the seed, some of it fell upon the road and was eaten by birds. Some of it fell on thin, rocky ground, and this quickly uh, started growing up because the soil wasn't very deep. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and dried up because they did not have enough roots. Some other seeds fell where thorn bushes grew up and choked the plants, but a few seeds did fall on good ground where the plants produced a hundred or 60 or 30 times as much as was scattered. And then he gives this statement, and this is the key statement here to the whole thing. If you have ears, pay attention. If you can hear what Jesus is saying, listen carefully. That's his whole point to this message. And sometimes people miss that. They get stuck in the field and the metaphor and all this. You know, it's not about the farmer. It's not about the birds. It's about hearing his word and paying attention to it. Now, the disciples came to him and asked, why do you use nothing but stories when you speak to people? And Jesus answered and he explained. He said, I've explained the secrets about the kingdom of heaven to you, but not to others. Everyone who has will be given more. People who don't have anything will lose what little they have. I use stories when I speak to them because when they look, they cannot see. And when they listen, they cannot hear or understand. So God's promise came true, just as the prophet Isaiah had said. And he quotes Isaiah. He says, these people will listen and listen, but never understand. They will look and look, but never see. All of them have stubborn minds. Ears are stopped up and their eyes are covered. They cannot see or hear or understand. If they could, they would turn to me and I would heal them get that? If they would turn to me, I would heal them. This is the point Jesus is making here. It's the point that God spoke through Isaiah. And then Jesus reassures the disciples. He says, but God has blessed you because your eyes can see and your ears can hear. And many prophets and good people were eager to see what you now see and to hear what you now hear. But I tell you that they did not see or hear it. Now, did you catch that? Jesus explains the story about the farmer, but what is Jesus really saying here? He is saying that listening, listening is the point of it. He says, now listen to the meaning of the story of the farmer. The seeds that fell along the road are the people who hear the message about the kingdom but don't understand it, and the evil one comes and snatches the message from their hearts. The seeds that fell on the rocky ground are the people who gladly hear the message and accept it right away, but they don't have deep roots and they don't last very long. And as long as life gets hard or the message gets them in trouble, they give up. Now the seeds that fell among the thorn bushes are also people who hear the message, but they start worrying about the needs of this life and they are fooled by the desire to get rich. So the message gets choked out and they never produce anything. The seeds that fell on good ground are the people who hear the message and understand the message and then produce as much as a hundred or sixty or thirty times as what was planted. So again, did you catch what he said? The one who listens to God and brings forth the harvest is the one which God seeks. It's the person who has a heart like a field of well-prepared soil. The only difference between someone who is fruitful in God's kingdom versus someone who is not is the soil of their heart. It's how they receive that word. It's how they allow the word to, to grow in them. And that soil is the way we hear the word. Good soil is someone with a heart that receives, that actively listens, who wants to hear God, and all of the other types of ground do not produce a good result. They don't produce fruit. So we have to ask ourselves, what is the state of my heart? Am I hard and stony? Am I beaten down like a path? Am I choked out by thorns of weeds of cares of this temporal life? The truth is that each of us have some of those three. But there is another truth. We can change the soil of our hearts by asking God to make us more prepared to receive his word. If you're struggling to receive the word of God, ask him to help you prepare the soil of your heart. Because we can change the soil of our hearts by actively seeking the spirit of God to restore a heart for God in us. And then act in us to remove the things that Jesus warned about. Because every one of us has some of those different issues in our hearts. The question is, are we willing to say, God, prepare my heart to hear your word? So how do you know if you have a hardened heart? Are there a lot of worldly cares and ambitions that, like weeds and thorns, are choking you out? How do you prepare the soil of your heart so that you can have a good result and produce fruit? Well, we'll explore that extensively ahead, but let's start by seeing how Jesus' original apprentices did it. Jesus tells us we have to have the ability to humble ourselves. He says you have to become like a little child. Now that's hard for most of us who have been busy being adults for a long time to say, well, I want to become like a child, right? But can you imagine a little child just a little bit? Becoming like a child means learning to trust. And the great news is Is that the life giving Spirit of God will help us do just that when we're willing to trust God and follow Jesus? Jesus promised us that a little bit of faith that we act on, that we take action on, is much more important than lots of faith that we never exercise, right? So we start with praying and asking. Jesus said, if you ask, You will receive. He said God is a good father who will not give you a stone if you're asking for bread. So he's willing to give you that life-giving spirit that helps you become like a child in your relationship to him. He will help you remove those stones, plow that hardened ground, and tear out those weeds. He will also help you protect yourself from the demons. There are real demons in the world who, like crows, will come along and steal the word from your heart. He wants you to be protected from those things, you see. Now, the Bible tells us about the people who follow Jesus. They give us real examples. They were ordinary people just like us. Some of them were very rough characters, people with messy backgrounds. And they also had to learn to hear and do what Jesus was teaching. And we want to be like them and have the willingness to be taught and to trust what Jesus says is not only true, but that it's true for us. So this takes time and prayer. It means hearing it, asking God to help us understand it, and to hold tightly to it as Jesus said to his apprentices, and as they did. So one of the skills we're going to learn that helps us with this is the skill of stillness. And we call this the stillness that gives life. In Isaiah chapter 30 verse 15, God says to us, In returning and rest shall you be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. God is giving a clue to people to understand that we have to learn how to come to Him, how to rest in Him, how to be quiet in Him, and learn to have confidence in Him. And from that, we become strengthened. We are made stronger by His Spirit. Also in the Psalms, in chapter 46, verse 10, He says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Not your God, not other people are God, not various different thousands of gods or vain imaginations that people think are God, but the one true God says, Be still and know who I am. I am God. And when we do that, when we make ourselves still and we contemplate the greatness of our God, He strengthens us. We have to be willing to rest and be quiet. And when we do that, our hearts become more eager to listen because the silence is no longer uncomfortable when we learn to listen. And it's then that the life-giving spirit really begins to speak deeply into our souls. Trust me, friends, if you will take time daily, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, to just be quiet and wait for God and listen to him, he will speak and you will learn to hear him as you do that. God has a journey planned, and he's taking you and I along with him. He will accomplish his plans, but you have to be quiet enough to hear them. Your journey and my journey will not be the same, but God will lead us the same way with the same resources to bring us to the same successful completion. And there are great strategies that help us to learn to listen. Here are a few that that we have derived from God's word. Number one, make a habit of reading God's word daily. We've talked about that a little bit earlier in the session. And we want to keep that in mind, that daily practice of reading God's word. Set a time aside, but also do it as you go. Go through the whole Bible. Don't just read certain passages or certain sections, but learn to master understanding the whole of the 66 books of the Bible. A second skill that really helps you to learn to listen and and do that quietness and rest is to take notes as you go. When you take notes, it keeps you from being distracted, and you can also write down your questions, and what you begin to find is, as you learn this discipline of listening and being quiet, is the Spirit answers your questions. The third is to make a point to find ways to apply Jesus' teachings that you learn. God will give you opportunities if you pay attention. Now, the fourth thing we learn is to pray about the things he says and ask him to help us do them. When we do that, we find that God becomes very interactive with us in the process. The fifth thing is to seek out wise teachers who are also careful students of the Bible themselves. Find a local fellowship. A church, a, a Bible study group, you know, where you can study the whole Bible thoroughly, chapter by chapter. Not every church does this. In fact, most churches don't, I'm sad to say. But if you go and find a church, a group, uh, you know, a fellowship near you, where people take the Bible seriously and ask for guidance, people will help you. True Bible students, true lovers of God's Word are going to help you. But beware of those who only build pretexts by ignoring the whole counsel of God. There are some places, some groups, religious groups, that will study the Bible, but they'll ignore the majority of it, and they focus on some pet issue that they find that they want to try to build on. If you find that, you want to avoid that. Pay attention to anyone who teaches primarily from other sources and realize that they're not someone to follow. If they're outside of the Bible, if they're only seeking the wisdom of men or counsel of men about the Bible, they probably aren't really believing the Bible make sure that you seek Bible teachers who study and live out the teachings of Jesus openly. If they're not open about it, if they're not willing to share their lives uh, you know, publicly, if they're hidden or trying to be isolated from other people, they probably aren't really living out the teachings of Jesus in their home and their personal life. Number six, we want to always be careful to read the Bible passages that a teacher is reading, or presenting preacher whatever and we want to check them out for ourselves. That's the key to mission 17:11 here folks is that we believe as it says in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 that it's more important to go and check these things out and see if they are so. We want you to do that with our teaching. We want you to understand that we are not presenting ourselves as the truth. We are saying the Bible is the truth. Go and compare what we teach with the Bible. Good teachers will encourage this, and false teachers will be upset. So a way to understand when you're encountering a false teacher is they will discourage you from comparing what they're teaching with the whole counsel of the word. Now next, number seven, is to pray at the beginning of any study time and ask Jesus to guide and instruct you. He will if you pray for discernment and understanding, and then always pray afterward and ask him to transform you by what you've learned. If you do that, he will. He will absolutely do that in your life. Eighth and final on this list is we want to commit to do what we're being taught by Jesus. Make it a choice to do the things that we learn from God's word by God's power. That's the key. We can't do it on our own strength. And if you read things that Jesus has said... And it's too hard for you to do? Well, of course it's too hard for you to do. You can only do it by the power of God. That's the whole point. He wants you to understand that, that you need the power of God in your life to be able to live the things of God that he is calling for you to do. And we adventurers learn to do that a little better every day. So Jesus said, the people who are really blessed are the ones who hear and obey God's message. That's in Luke chapter 11, verse 28. That quote is from the contemporary English version. Now, he also said, you are my friends if you do what I tell you. We want to be the friends of Jesus. He loves us. He's called us to be his apprentices. And so he's telling us that in John chapter 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I tell you. And this is the key, because doers are knowers. John chapter 7, verse 16 to 17, Jesus answered and said, my teaching is not my own but his who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, he will know about the teaching, whether it is of God or if I'm speaking from myself. In other words, you have to do his word to know his word. It's interactive. It's not theoretical. This is, again, why we talk about this as being the Jesus adventure. It's a journey. It's an activity. It's a process. It's interactive with him. It's not a theoretical thing. People that teach the Bible as a theory are missing out on what the Bible is really all about. This principle is given in several ways in the Bible, and basically what Jesus is saying is that to know this teaching, we have to be willing to do it. We have to take that action. When we do, it becomes clear that Jesus' teachings are from God, because you begin to experience the spiritual dimension that can't be measured or accessed by merely hearing about it. It's a dynamic experience, and doing these things demonstrates a spiritual dimension of life that we just can't experience any other way. This is true of the whole Bible, really. We don't learn by theory. We learn and grow and receive that life-giving spirit by doing, by acting on what Jesus has said, by applying and holding firmly, like he said about his followers. He's prayed for us to hold firmly to what he has revealed from the prophets. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But he also says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell and its collapse was great. In other words, as already heard from Jesus, the one who has and holds to Will be given more. The one who does not have and hold to will lose what they think they have. We can't imagine that we're going to live a theoretical Christian life and have the strength of the person who does the Word of God, whose life is built on the rock by doing what Jesus has said. It's all about becoming an active participant with God, listening and doing His Word as Jesus taught it. You see, it's Jesus who's our guide. It's not men, it's not institutions, it's not organizations. It's Jesus. And when you do his teachings, you will know the power of God's life-giving spirit actively in your life because of that. You see, Jesus said, if you keep on obeying what I have said, you are truly my disciples, my apprentices. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, what happens is people will quote the second half of that verse. They'll say you, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, but that's not what Jesus said. He said, if you keep doing, if you actively participate in doing, obeying what I've said, then you're truly my disciples, my apprentices. Then you will know the truth and then the truth sets you free. That's in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. So this freedom that he's talking about, this energizing experience, is truly a one-to-one relationship with that life-giving spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of Messiah. Only in having this experience do we begin to experience, discover that real life, that real freedom that God intends for us. Now we're talking about this journey, this traveling, this seeking, this quest, For treasure, and the greatest treasure is what we really want to know. What is the greatest treasure, Jesus said? He said, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. That's John chapter 6, verse 40. We're reading that from the New International Version. Again, I'm saying, For my Father's will, get this, the Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day. Again, we see here that this great passion of Jesus, the mission given him by the father is to give this greatest treasure possible to all who will trust in him. So we listen so that we may receive, we determine to follow so that we may inherit that amazing gift of being resurrected to life with Jesus. Our race has committed the greatest offenses against God. Our people, our you know, whole humanity has rebelled and offended God. Yet he has gone to extreme lengths to redeem us from this. Jesus said his goal is that we will not perish. His goal for us is eternal life, resurrection and restoration to our original purpose, our eternal purpose that God originally created mankind for. And when we take this journey, this Jesus adventure, then we receive that final great treasure by being listeners and doers of his word. And this is the point that Jesus is making. His Father's will is for how many? Everyone who looks to the Son and believes to receive this eternal life. So, my friends, the great thing that we're, we're encouraging you to do is take that step of faith. Don't be a theoretical Christian. Don't be a theoretical believer. Be an active doer of the Word of God that Jesus has given you. As we conclude here today, we want to take a look at our adventure principle, which is this. Ask yourself. Ask God. God, what keeps me from listening to you? Think that deeply in your heart. Pray that to him deeply in your heart and then listen to what he says. God, what keeps me from listening to you? When you listen to what he says, what we learn to do is to take action and remove those things that are blocking our ability to hear. When we're struggling to hear God, it's usually because we're doing something that's impairing our ability to hear God. It's because we're Failing to act on the things that we already know. Remember what Jesus said? To him who has, more will be given. But to those that have not, what little they have will be taken away. We don't want to be in that category. We want to be the ones that take action on what we're given, so we're given more. Which, of course, is our meditation for this final conclusion of this chapter on the walk with Jesus. We want to meditate on this because Jesus said so clearly, Pay attention. To how you listen. Again, everyone who has more will be given. Everyone who has nothing will lose what little they think they have. This is Luke chapter 8, verse 18. And we want to keep this principle in mind. Taking action means we receive more more light, more insight, more grace, more of God's wisdom, more understanding, more passion for the things of God. When we do, what Jesus teaches. This is how the spirit works. This is Jesus giving us an insight to understanding the working of his spirit. And When we listen and we hold tightly to what we're given, we're given more. Those who neglect will lose what little they have already. It's a powerful yet sobering truth. God is very generous with those who value his word. So take care to follow what you've received so that you can have more. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Make plans to live it out. Produce fruit by being willing to be fruitful. Transformative results take place in your life and begin to show you realms of understanding in the spiritual world that produce joy and peace and confidence in your life. But likewise, those who neglect, who postpone, who delay, who ignore what they've received, they're guaranteeing to themselves to lose what they've already received. And we don't want to be like that. That's not the adventure, okay? And I can't stress enough how bad it will be for those who do this. These are the people who become shipwrecked and marooned in life and who miss all that Jesus has for them. Well, thank you for listening and joining us today. This has been The Walk of Jesus, Chapter 5 of the Jesus Adventure, where we studied the voyage charts of providence. And we just want to invite you to, as you meditate on all that's been covered today, close in your heart and in your mind with a prayer. Take time to think just between yourself and God, and pray and ask for him to show you how to take hold of what you've learned. Join us next time on Jesus Adventure, Chapter 6 crossing over.